0: And now, I would like to introduce our first speaker today,
1: Cindy.
2: Hi, I'm Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Really nervous, and I don't know why that happens to me, but um, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I already started crying um, just um, just by the reading of So You Love an Alcoholic. Um, got me emotional. Um, Being here with my girls um, is very emotional. Um, The faces of my friends who are here um, and the gratitude that I have. So um, I'm basically a crybaby and it's going to take me a while to um, get comfortable in doing what I'm doing. Um, And so first of all, I would really like to thank the committee um, and I'd like to thank Colleen. We got, you know, when, when you're asked to speak, and especially because they don't know who you are, they get a name from somebody or they someone s- suggests or whatever, and they don't know what you look like, so I forgot to tell her that we were the cute little Mexican family. Um, <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I was kind of looking for them, and then when I saw the play and I was paying attention because I knew that they were in the play, so I was paying attention to names, and I heard Z, so I um, talked to her today, and um, and it's just, you know... Um, an honor to be here with you and to share my story. Um, I uh, have 20, 25 minutes or so, so I'm going to try to cram in um, my little story. Um, I'm here because I love an alcoholic. I can call him that because he calls himself one. Um, I uh, have uh, been in Al-Anon now for 17 years. I came in June of 1995. Um, I was not brought up in an alcoholic home. Um, You know, mom and dad, and I had three older brothers, and um, they were already um, out of the house by the time I came along, I was a change of life baby. Uh, So um, you know, our house was pretty boring, Um, there was no drinking, we went to church a lot, Uh, we were Baptist, Um, there, you know, I just briefly, you know, my childhood, um, I never felt like I belonged. Um, I was the uh, Mexican-American who didn't speak Spanish. Um, I was um, a Baptist, not a Catholic. You know, there was just a lot of things um, that uh, I just felt like I didn't fit in. Um, I met my husband, and I'm just going to jump into this story because we met when we were in eighth grade. Uh, uh, When I saw him, I knew he was the one. Um, My goal was to marry Tommy and have all his babies. Um, it never, uh, it never, uh, dawned on me to want to go to college or have a career or any of that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> his family was pretty exciting at that time. We were 13, 14 years old, and, um, we would go to his house, and his father, um, is alcoholic and, uh, sisters, um, they were allowed to have parties and do with basically anything that they wanted, so I like that. Um, they're pretty exciting. Uh, my house was boring and theirs weren't. So, um... So we um, started, I don't even know if you call it dating, but we started hanging out. And um, before I knew it, um, you know, uh, there I was, five months pregnant, we got married. I'm going to be all over the place only because um, there's so much that I want to talk to you about. So I just want to give you like little basics. So I hope that you kind of catch on um, and put everything together. So, <laughs> so, you know, the deal is, is that... Um, it, we got married, and um, I um, have six children. Um, five of them I gave birth to. One of them came into our lives when he was 13. He's now 40 years old, and, you know, he's mine. And so, um, so I have these kids. Um, you know, in the beginning of our marriage, um, we, the first two, I believe, are the ones that um, got the brunt of um, the disease um, basically because we were young um, and because um, I was doing things even in the early stages that um, my children shouldn't have seen or heard. Um, I wanted to come to al and talk about him, um, but what I get to do is be honest and talk about me and my behavior. And so, um, uh, and, and I forgot to tell you, usually I'll tell you in the beginning is that um, the drinking is still active in my home. I am one of those that have found happiness and contentment whether the alcoholic is drinking or not. We've been married 41 years, um, and a lot of things have changed. When I found Al-Anon, uh, we had been married 24, give or take. I'm going to be off on numbers, so hopefully you guys don't correct me or whatever, but um, <laughs> or say, hey, you made a mistake. Um, so, um, so anyway, so we, you know, we got married, and we were young. and. Um, uh He played softball, and we basically you know he's one of nine kids, and so we did everything within the family, so there were birthday parties all the time, there were um baptisms, there were weddings, there were you know funerals, you know whatever and um and at every function they drank. Um, I never really thought too much in of it because I just thought it was exciting in the beginning, I tried to drink too, but that didn't work because um I immediately would go into watching. Um, so, um, so in that time of the, the drinking, there were things that, um, that I did to, um, prove a point. Um, one of the things that, um, I did was, um. We would get invited to things, and I went to a, we we got invited to a wedding, and I don't know about you, but, you know, my whole thing was, I had a speech, and um, I would have a speech to him before we'd go to the wedding, or I'd have a speech before we went to the barbecue. Um, There was a time that we went to a barbecue in Fillmore, and this is just one of my stories, and I had all the kids, and I think I was pregnant, and I think I had an infant, um, because that's how our family was. There was just a whole bunch, and I was pregnant all the time, and um, so in Fillmore, you know, it's really hot, and it's Fourth of July, and so we knew we were going to be there all day, and um, and before we went, I gave the speech of, um, you know what, you're going to drive, if you drink, just remember, you're driving, and you're going to drive us home. I'm not driving us home. I'm not going to drive us home, and I must have said it, I don't know how many times, so he should have heard me. I'm not going to drive us home. So, we go and the kids are having fun, and I don't know about your guys' barbecues and parties, but before I know it, the music is on and everybody's dancing and having a great time, and you know, drunk people and not drunk people, and kids in sleeping bags, and you know, that's kind of how our barbecues went. So it's Fourth of July, and we did the firework thing, and it was time to come home, and uh, he was drunk. So I said to him, um, I told you, I'm not driving home. Um, So I made him drive home. Uh, We were going down the freeway, and uh, he told me, Cindy, I can't drive. And I said, fine, pull over. So what happened is, or what happened was, um, he pulled over. I gave him the baby. I got in the car. And my kids had to hear me for 25 minutes from where we were to getting home about what an ass he was, how stupid he was, I told you, how can you do this, I thought you loved us, and all this crap that came out of my mouth. And that's what my kids heard. Um, Things, you know, kept on going, and I have all these little stories. You know, the luncheon speaker, you know, she was hilarious. She shared today, and uh, she was talking about things that she did that, um, as far as her parenting, and I'm just going to touch on that. I remember there was a time where um, he decided that he was going to go to the bar down the block and the kids were already in bed and uh, one more time I'm going to prove a point. And I said to him, um, fine, then I'm going with you. And I left the kids by themselves, um, left the kids, walked with him, went to the bar. And he said something like, you know, okay, fine, I'm going to go pick the biggest guy and I'm going to, you know, we're going to throw blows or whatever and um, all that drama. and. Uh, We end up going back home. Um, But, you know, for me, it's just all about, um, and I didn't know, you know, it's just that fear. You know, I just wanted what I wanted, and I just wanted him to not drink, and I just wanted him to stay home. So I had all these um, uh, things that I would do to um, think that it would convince him, um, you know, make him, and, um, and that didn't happen. So I'm going to jump to how I found Al-Anon. And how I found Al-Anon is that a family member, um, my ex-sister-in-law, called me up, and she wasn't my ex-sister-in-law then, but she called me up and she said, you know, that she found Al-Anon and that it was this great program, and it was for um, people who are affected by somebody else's drinking. Um, I told her that we were fine. I told her that um, I had everything under control, that I knew what I was doing. And, you know, and I was serious. And, um, and I said, you know what, if he passes out in the car, I leave him there. And if, you know, if he passes out on the floor, I walk over him. I might kick him, but I walk over him. You know, I didn't do the whole blanket thing. You know how they talk about, you know, put a blanket on him? No, I don't put a blanket on him. So, um, so I knew what to do. Um, And, you know, it took me eight years, seven or eight years from that phone call to find you guys, but a lot of stuff had to happen in that seven years in order for me to hit that bottom. Um, One of the things that happened to me in those seven years is I got really sick. Um, I was diagnosed with um, Hodgkin's disease, which is cancer of the lymph nodes, Um, and that was before I found you. I think it was in 90, I can't remember, 92, and um, I got it twice. And in 94, um, I was in remission, and then I found you guys in 95. Um, The way I hit my bottom was, and you know, um, I know about the whole cussing at the podium, um, and I just need to, and I might just a little bit to to kind of let you know how I was and who I was, uh, because that's what my kids heard, and that's how I talked. And um, and I think um, it'll be okay. So um, the way I, uh, I hit my bottom was I had a daughter at the time who was playing softball, and uh, we were, um, I don't know, down south somewhere. And, you know, the sports thing, you know, all the families are there, and they play games all day, and then you go to dinner at night. And by that time, you know, husband was um, already, you know, pretty drunk. And, and they, my kids already knew that when that happened, I turned into somebody else. Um, and they could feel that. So, you know, this daughter of mine wanted to know why I was so mad. And I turned around and I looked at her and I told her that, um, I'm not mad and to leave me the fuck alone. Um, I said it to her twice. And I said it in a way where, um, my face was, um, all scrunched up and, um, and with so much anger. And, um, it took me, um... She asked me again two days later, and, uh, and I told her the same thing, and I'm sure with more um, cuss words. I don't want to say them all. Um, so um, so I knew I was in big trouble, and I went to work, and my job was um, I was a um, cook. I almost forgot what I was. I was <laughs> in, um, for elementary school. So I was the one that said, green beans, green beans, into your kids. That's the one. That's what I did. <laughs> so um, so I went to, uh, during break, and I went to the nurse's office, and I looked up, um, I think I called AA central office in Camarillo. And somebody um, suggested um, Al-Anon, and they gave me an address, and I went to my first meeting. And there were only three people at that meeting. And somebody asked me to read um, out of our um, one day at a time. And um, I started to read, and I started to cry. and. Um, And I just knew that I needed to go again and again and again. Um, I went to Al-Anon for two years without telling my husband. Now, there's a thing that I have to tell you also is that, you know, um, there wasn't that violence in my home where I wasn't getting beat up. You know, I'm married to a good man. When I found you guys, though, I hated everything that he was doing. I hated how he walked, talked, you know, brushed his teeth, combed his hair. When he entered the room, I was pissed. I didn't care how he did. Because I really thought that he drank like to piss me off. I mean, I really did. And I thought that if you love us enough, you would stop. And he wasn't. Um, so so I uh, started going to Al-Anon, and um, I didn't tell him I was going. And, um, and, you know, this guy, too, he's always worked. He's never been out of a job. And he's always taken really good care of his family. Um, so... Right when I started, he's in the oil field business, and um, right when I started going to Al-Anon, he got offered to start working out of the country. And he would be gone every other month. It's called a 28-28. So um, that was perfect because what happened is the month that he was gone, I was doing seven to nine Al-Anon meetings a week. Um, My kids weren't happy. Um... I point at her, but there's more. <laughs> the other ones weren't happy either. Um, because um, things started to change. Um, I started setting boundaries, and I started doing things different, um, and they weren't used to that. Um, I started saying no. Um, they weren't used to that. She'll, she'll share that too. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I, I started doing these meetings, and um, I wanted answers. I want to know how to get him sober. That's all I wanted. My intention was not to stay. My intention definitely was not to um, get a relationship with God. Um, I walked in saying, okay, I'm not doing what you guys are doing. I'm not doing the God thing. And I told you guys, I am not doing it. And um, what I was told was just to keep coming back. Um, and every time I went to a meeting, I always felt better. Um, I got a sponsor. Um, you know, uh, and if you're new, I encourage you, you know, go to a lot of meetings and get a sponsor right away. Um, you know, the gift of that for me was uh, that she already knew a lot about my family because I asked my ex-sister-in-law. Um, I was told that that might not be a good idea, but I did it anyway.
1: And, you know, um,
2: in my opinion, it was a really good idea. Um, so, you know, I started working the steps, and I have, um, the thing that I love about the steps is that, you know, there's a lot of stories. For each step that I have, there's a story um, for it, and I think that we all have those, um, those um, I came to believe stories. Um, while I was um, in Al-Anon for about a year, my youngest son, who at the time was, um, I believe, 11 or 12, um, was diagnosed with brain cancer. Um he's fine. I always forget to tell you guys he's fine. Um <laughs> <laughs> He was diagnosed with brain cancer and um and my um my sponsor was uh working for a doctor who dealt with children and diseases and cancer was one of them. Um to me that was not a mistake and to me that was not an accident. What I got to do was uh call her um when Alex um he had told me that we were at a, a USC basketball game, and he went to go get popcorn or something. And he told me that uh, his arm felt funny, and it was his left arm. but his arm felt funny, and I remember just rubbing his arm and saying, "Oh, it'll be okay. If it gets worse, let me know." I'm watching the game. Okay, so sorry. So anyway, so um, a couple of days later, he said that um, he just didn't feel good, and so uh, I saw him walking. He, you could see his left leg was dragging, and then he told me that his brain felt funny. So I called up, um, I called up uh, my sponsor and told her exactly what I just told you. She said, you know, just go to the ER and tell them everything that you just told me. Um, I'm watching the Laker game right now, and I'll be there. Um, or call me when, um, once you find out what's going on. So when we got there, um, she was in the parking lot. So we both went in, and we found out that he had a lesion on the right side of his brain. I'm trying to remember. Um, They had misdiagnosed him, and she encouraged me to go to her doctor that um, she worked for. And um, in that process, um, things started to happen where, to me, it was unbelievable, and it was um, my came-to-believe stories. you know, we went to the hospital, and uh, they told us that um, the cancer was all over his brain and that he was going to die. Um, and on that day, we went to a meeting that night. Um, and I got to share at this meeting, and, you know, they uh, scooped me up. They hugged and loved on me, and that's what um, that happened to me. Um, so we started doing things that we needed to do. Uh, he was, um, let me know when I'm, Okay. Okay, oh, shoot, I have a lot to say. Okay, so let me just tell you this. There's two really main stories. Let me just finish this really fast. Um, You've got a good five minutes. Okay, he, um, he went to SCAC. And at SCAC, he had just started chemotherapy, and at SCAC, he got really ill. And um, uh, my sponsor was there with him. Um, and she's a nurse, for God's sake, so, you know, I thought really um, uh, good about it. So he got really sick, and she called me, and um, we had to go and uh, pick him up. So we had to go pick him up, and I um, called um, people on my list because I didn't want to drive by myself because I was really afraid to drive. So I called an Al-Anon member who happened to be a male, and I just needed more phone numbers, and he offered to take me. So we went to SCAC, and we picked up my son. And what happened while we were driving to find him, uh, to go get him, um, they had a meeting for him. So they had a meeting for my little boy at SCAC, so all these Alateens ended up in a room, and we have a picture. So all of them are in this room having a meeting for him, and that's the gift. Um, the gift for me was that what I found out is that I don't have to do anything by myself. Um, you know, and because I only have a couple minutes left, I just want to share this other story. Um, he got well. Everything started, you know, getting better. Um, uh, and then my husband had an opportunity to, um, to uh, work in a country called uh, Qatar, and the capital is Doha, which is in the Middle East. So the two of us made the decision. In 2004, we both went. Now, when I went, I knew that there were no Al-Anon meetings there. So um, a member of AA, uh, gave, a friend of mine, gave me... Um, a list of names and numbers of recovering alcoholics um, in the Middle East, where I was going to be, um, where I was going to be at. <clears throat> and you know, things were good. Uh, there were no meetings, but I was, you know, emailing you guys, and I was talking to you guys, and I thought everything was okay. And the longer I was there, I started noticing that old behavior was happening, and I started counting beers again. and I started um, questioning, and um, so I knew I was getting in trouble, so I called a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I told him that I was an Al-Anon, and I wanted to know where the AA meeting was and if I would be able to go, and um, what happened is that this uh, nice man named Ian um, picked me up three days out of the week, and I got to go to AA meetings. And I thought that the only way that I would appreciate Alcoholics Anonymous, the only way that I would feel connected to Alcoholics Anonymous, is if my husband got sober. And that's not the case. What happened is that those men were there for me and shared their recovery, and they allowed me to share in their meeting. Um, You know, what a gift. So... um, I I think I'm basically kind of running out of time. There's so much I want to talk about. I want to talk about sponsorship, and I want to talk about service, and I want to talk and talk and talk and talk. (laughs) (laughs) But um, if you're new, you know, the deal is, I believe, is um, I feel God when I do this. I feel God when I go to a meeting. There has been times where things have been still scary for me, and there are times where I still get good ideas. I'm mean, going to have a lot of stories about those good ideas. Um, but the gift is, is that um, even though there isn't sobriety in my home, I believe that there's recovery there. Um, I believe that, you know, God is just doing what's supposed to be done and has, you know, my daughter um, and my granddaughter um, in this wonderful fellowship. So um, I'm just so glad to be Am I good? Sure. Okay. I can go on. I can go on. I'm telling you. Even though you were me. So let's just talk really quick about service. Um, service saves my ass. Sponsorship saves my ass. Um, spons- being a sponsor, um, you know, um, the whole thing about service is that for a long time, I thought that I wasn't smart enough. I thought that um, because I didn't have the education that, um, that um, I didn't qualify. I didn't qualify to... Um, to do things that I get to do today. Um, and the reason why I get to do these things is, number one, is willingness. Um, a member of Al-Anon told me, you know, city, it's just your turn. Um, and I believe that. It doesn't mean that I'm smarter than you. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's that whole less than um, and better than thing that I've learned today that we're all equal. Um, and I believe that, you know, even though that they're, you know, the alcoholics, you know, that they have their story, um, I, we have that same prayer. I remember having that prayer and dropping to my knees, and all I said was, God help me because I can't do this by myself. Um, and, um, and then there you guys are. So, you know, I'm just really glad to be here. Um, I hope this made some kind of sense. I think um, I'm done. And so um, that's it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks,
1: Cindy. And now, our next speaker will be Alex <laughs> Hi,
3: guys. I'm Alex. Hi Alex Um
1: I'm
3: really nervous, so mm-hmm. sorry. Um, sorry see so. I started about three years ago, four, three years ago. Um, I didn't like it at all.
1: <laughs> Start with that. I
3: didn't like it as much as I pretended I liked it. I liked it just to just to make my grandma happy.
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie.
3: And honestly, the only reason why I wanted to go is because I always knew that my grandma was gonna take me to eat. It's the only reason why I wanted to go. And, like, the reason why I didn't like it is because I wasn't brought up, was never around alcohol. Um, me and my mom would fight every once in a while when I was little, but I just thought, you know, it was typical Mexican family just fighting all the time. It happened to everybody. But, um, when I started Allatine, Everyone was talking about how their qualifiers were always drunk and yelling and fighting, and I felt like I didn't belong there. felt like I had nothing to talk about. I just sat there and listened. And that's probably one of the best things that I could do, is listen to other people and just learn off of what they're talking about. And um, <clears throat> as I kept going along the years, I started sharing about how me and my mom fight. Just what we fight about, how it affects me, how it would hurt my feelings when she would tell me to shut up, playing around or not. Um, Then, as I got older, I realized that my mom was brought up in an alcoholic home, and that is why she decides to yell and scream and thinks that it's the best thing when it's not. Um um we we do still fight. Um I've gone to therapy. I've gone to some type of counseling with her before and it doesn't it hasn't worked. I mean, it's not going to work if me and her aren't going to put the effort to help us. And recently, me and my sister, I have an older sister, we are 5 years apart. And we, I can say we're best friends. We've, we do everything together. As soon as I get home, I go into her room and just watch TV, talk about my day, talk about school, you know, just normal sister bonding. Um, recently, we got into a really big fight. Um, it was over something so stupid like who left the soda out? It's getting warm. Something stupid like that, and it ended in her telling me to shut the front door, and <laughs> me telling her I hate you, and her slamming and stomping to her room and slamming the door, and me saying good, go away, I don't care. Um, it really did hurt afterwards, and it. I didn't didn't realize until after that that was my fault. I didn't realize till after why did I have to tell her that? It there's no reason for that. Just causing more problems. Just shut my mouth and just So, I started crying. Um I was really upset. She told me that told me that it would be better if I was in porn, that her life would have been better, um, her, her and my mom's relationship would have been better, um, basically everything would have been better. And I really took that to heart. I I got really, really upset and I didn't reply to her. I didn't say anything. I just started crying. And. I just felt like she was always the one I could go to to talk about anything, no matter what it was. And to hear that from her mouth, it just just (laughs) broke my heart. And we still haven't talked till this day. I've tried calling her. She doesn't answer. I guess she needs her space, which is fine. I mean, I'm going to see her tomorrow. We live in the same house. She can't avoid (laughs) me forever. So I guess the best thing to do is just have to let it go. I have to forget what she says, hopefully knowing she doesn't mean it. She does, and she does. I know she doesn't. She She can't tell me that. I mean, I mean... She can't, she's my sister, she just can't. Um, so this morning we had a meeting and I spoke about that. And I didn't know that a lot of other people my age that have younger, older siblings, that they've done the same thing. I hate you, don't talk to me, you know. And that was the first time me and my sister have ever gone through that. But, okay, I'm going off track. So, Alateen. Okay, so, me not growing up in an alcoholic home, I did feel strange going to Alatine. But talking about my problems, I think this is the only place I feel safe about it. Where I can open up and cry as much as I want to, yell, scream, whatever, and they'll sit there, And they'll listen. And some of them will understand. Some of them will try as much to understand. So they can help me out in the end. And that's what I love about the program. That no matter what you're going through, people are still going to help you, no matter if they know what you're talking about or not.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. And that's what I like. Um, My mom grew up in an alcoholic home. Like my grandma was saying, she was one of the two, I guess, Uh that went through
1: what she said. And um,
3: if you think about it, you can tell that she is one of them that went through the worst times. Just listening to her talk, the way she responds the way she has to control everything, she has to prove her point that she's right. Um, I guess I I got that part of her in me. So me and her, when we fight, it goes on for a long time. So there's just a lot of yelling. like You can hear it from across the street. That's how loud we yell at each other. Um, over the stupidest things too. And after, after all the fights we have, I'm always the one to apologize. I'm always the one to say, I'm sorry for yelling at you. I'm sorry for not doing what you asked me in the first place. And lately, I've been feeling like I shouldn't be the one apologizing. I feel like she should realize what she's done, and she should try to apologize. And I told her that.
1: And she <laughs> says, what are you talking
3: about? I'm not doing anything. Yes. You are. You both have to do something in order to fight. And she still denies, saying that she's not doing anything wrong. She's doing what she was taught. And honestly, that I have no control over that. I just have to listen to what she says and try my best not to give her attitude, which is the main thing that me and her fight about. And, um... Like I said, coming to and talking about my problems is really good. And the other day, I just didn't have a good day. And I called one of my friends that goes to Alateen and we talked for three hours. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever talked to someone over the phone about my problems. And um, I'm really grateful mm-hmm. that she answered the phone. Mm-hmm. Because if she didn't, I don't even know what I would have done that night. I probably would have broken things. I was so mad. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. And I talked for a good hour and 15 minutes. And she did not say one word. (laughs) All she did was say, you know, you got to do what you think is best. I didn't know what she meant.
1: <laughs>
3: I said okay. Uh, all right. Um so I called her again the next day just to talk about things, you know, hey, how are you, how you doing, you know, how's life? And um we I feel like we've gotten a lot closer just in those two days. Mm-hmm. We didn't really talk before that and I told her to come with me to one of my Alatine meetings, and this week she's coming, and I'm really excited. And I don't know, I'm just really looking forward to continue Alatine for till I can't, till I move.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then. Then
3: when I'm old, just go on to the next thing that's after that, which I don't know is it Alanon. Al-Anon. <laughs> but um,
1: yeah. That's,
3: then I can say that I spoke at this convention. Say what I talked about. I you know. Um, thank you guys for letting me share. <laughs>
0: Alex, you did a great job. Okay, and now I'd like
1: to welcome Jamie. I'm Jamie, I'm an alcoholic. Hi,
0: Hi, Um, thank you Colleen and the committee for asking us to be here. It's always really interesting when I'm asked to speak um, on an Al-Anon panel because I am not a part of Al-Anon, and so it was suggested to me to share in a general way um what it was like what happened and what it's like now um so i'll start with uh, my sobriety date is may 1st 2008 um i have (laughs) (laughs) um i have a four and a half years sober and clean and um i recently recently my sobriety and my recovery has changed it's shifted um, it's no longer about me, I don't show up to meetings for me anymore, I show up for the newcomer. Um, and I'm just curious, are there any alcoholics in this room? Awesome. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. And I hope you keep coming back. Um, so um, my, my recovery definitely has shifted in the last year, I'd say. Um, and it's been absolutely incredible. I never knew that the life I have today was something one that I wanted or something that I was able to obtain and actually um, actually be really grateful that I have what I have. Um, when I got here, I had no idea how angry I was. Um, <laughs> I have old timers. Um, a lot of men who I, I go to meetings with who tell me how angry I was or remind me how angry I was. <laughs> And um, who loved me until I could love myself. Um, I call, there's three in particular that I call my AA dads because um, my dad isn't sober. Um, and that doesn't make him a bad man. It makes him a sick man. And um, I want to start off by sharing with you something really incredible. I got to give my dad an amends recently. Um, And it was a really amazing experience. Um, I've learned to accept my father for who he is, and I've learned to let go. And honestly, it's really interesting because I don't have resentment towards my dad because I understand. I get it. (laughs) Um, I had a lot of resentment towards my mom when I got here. And um, what has happened in our relationship is we get to be a living amends to each other. Um, We do things differently. We communicate differently. We speak the same language, which is amazing. Um, I go to my mom with most of my issues because I respect her recovery and her program. Um, I see what she does to be of service, and I want what she has. So I I ask her for a lot of advice. Um, So, you know... I'm redoing my steps with my new sponsor. I've had a, a new sponsor for about a year now and um working on 10, 11 and 12 and I, you know, I'm still going through my amends again and and I, I got to to have a conversation with my dad and it was really amazing. Um I went to his garage that's where he drinks because my mom and my dad have a really interesting relationship and he's respectful of her boundaries and doesn't bring alcohol into the house and so I went and sat next to him in the garage and and I just said hey you know I've been meaning to talk to you and um, you know I don't know how much you know about my recovery but I've been in in Alcoholics Anonymous for over four years and haven't had a drink or a drug in that long and part of my recovery is is um, making amends for the harm that I have done, you know, when I was drinking and using, and I feel like I owe you an amends for putting you through, you and mom through a lot of stuff, and, and I, you know, I want to have a relationship with you, is what I said to him, and he started crying, um, my dad's a good man, he's a very good man, and, um, I respect him because he, he takes care of business. I mean, like my mom said, he's always provided. He's always had a job. He shows his love by providing and being, he's, he's a good man. And, um, you know, his words to me were, it um, takes a lot of courage to say what you just said to me, and I respect you. And to have my dad say that to me was really amazing. And he said, and some of us see the light quicker than others. That shows me my dad knows he has a problem, but, you know, I, I, I feel my dad is a fear-based man, um, and I think a lot of us are when we get here. Um, you know, so I got to love him, and I got to tell him what I wanted from from him and what I needed, and I just asked him if he'd come to dinner at my house once a month, and, and you know, I'd like to talk and form a relationship with him, and he said, yeah, I would love that, no problem, you know, so it was really amazing. And um, that's the kind of relationship I get to have with my dad because I am going out of my way to have that relationship with my dad. Um, so I don't have to tell you too much about my childhood. Um, <laughs> I concur everything she said. Um, <laughs> growing up, it was um, eggshells all the time. Um, there was so much tension in our house. Um, I'm one of six kids. I'm the only one in recovery. Um, I can't tell you if any of my brothers or sisters are alcoholics. Um, I don't think they are. I don't really know. It's none of my business. Um, I have, oh, I also like to point out that I am not her mother. I am her aunt. Um, (laughs) A lot of people think I'm her mom, which is funny because I think I was, I don't know, Twelve when you were born? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so I guess it's possible. But I am not her mom. I am her aunt. Um, so, you know, I have a sister who is an untreated Al-Anon. I have a brother who just found Al-Anon, which I'm so grateful for. I hope he stays. Um, he's got a lot of anger. And I'm sure I'll end up in Al-Anon at some point in my life. I'm uh, still working on myself right now. So, you know, I am... I, um, I started drinking when I was 13. My first drunk was off of wine coolers in my best friend's house. I threw up all over the place and I finally found something that worked for me. Um, I am one of six kids and I fought for attention. I did everything in my power to get attention, whether it was negative or positive, it didn't matter to me. Um, you know, I felt I had an older sister who was a star athlete and I was always in her shadows or at least that's how it felt. Um, you know. I'm one of the lucky ones that I was one of the kids who got a sober and or not sober a recovered mom <laughs> um and and I'm so so grateful for that. I got a different mom um and I'm very lucky for that and um you know my I'd like to specify that being a child of an alcoholic and growing up in a Home where there was lots of rage and drinking does not make me an alcoholic. Um, I know that because the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous tells me that it has nothing to do with how much, um, you know, chaos was in the house. It has nothing to do with how much I drink or how long I drink. It is what happens to me when I drink that makes me an alcoholic. Um, yeah, I know that. Uh, I have an allergy, and when I put alcohol in my system, I can't tell you what's going to happen, and I can't tell you when I'm going to stop. (coughs) Um, And I know that that craving doesn't happen when I'm not drinking, and I can tell you that I'm a recovered alcoholic because I'm no longer putting alcohol in my system. That (laughs) doesn't mean I'm not crazy, because when I don't go to my set four meetings a week, Um, my emotional and mental sobriety is completely out the window. Um, And that's why I continue to go to meetings and be of service. And, you know, um, my my first bottom happened when I was 23. And growing up in a home with a mom who's an Al-Anon and all of her friends (coughs) are Al-Anons, Um, you can't really drink and get away with it and you can't really enjoy it because you know my mom would leave pamphlets for me and she would say things like be careful it runs in in your blood or be careful and and I would be so (laughs) I would get so angry oh my gosh and all the things she would say to me you know um uh all those uh the saints,
3: God, I hated them. All the slogans, I hated them so much when I got here. You
0: know, she would say things like, um, let's have a do over. And I'd be like, F that. Are you kidding me? You know, and, and um, I had a lot of resentment towards Al Anon when I got here. Um, well, I had it way before I got here. But I had a lot of resentment towards all of you. Um, because uh, it made it hard for me to drink the way I wanted to drink when my mom was in Al Anon. And. Um, you know, today I'm so grateful for Al-Anon. I'm so grateful that I have the mom that I have. Um, I have somebody who is a example of what uh, recovery and service and program looks like. Um, and I'm so grateful that you taught her how to be a good mom. And because of that, I'm a good mom. And um, so I'm very grateful for all of you. And. Um, so I got here when I was 23. I'm all over the place, too. Um, I got here when I was 23. Um, I At that time, when I was 23, I got, a, I got a DUI, and that was... I would like to tell you that that was the first time I realized that my drinking had affected everybody in my life, but that's not true. Um, I went to jail that night, and... Uh, I went through a checkpoint, and the cop who pulled me over, I, I just started bawling as soon as I got pulled over because I knew I was going to jail. I knew that I was over the limit. I knew that I had drinking more than I should have been driving, and I just started crying, and I think he felt really bad for me. And so, you know, he took me to the hospital to um, to get my – to uh, see how much I've been drinking. And he said, do you have something to do tomorrow? And I said, yeah, I'm picking up my brother from the airport. And he goes, why don't you call and let him know you're not going to be there? said, okay. So I called my brother. <laughs> she likes the story. Um, I called my brother, and he was coming in from Seattle, and I called him, and I was in the bathroom at the hospital, and, and um, I said, don't tell anyone.
1: <laughs>
0: I got pulled over for a DUI. I'm going to jail. I can't pick you up. I'll call you tomorrow. Hung up. I specifically told him not to tell anyone. <laughs> And when I got out of jail, everyone in my family knew.
1: <laughs>
0: and um, I knew at that, well, I didn't know at that moment, but I know today that my, my higher power and my mother's higher power was working in our lives and our family because she was at a uh, retreat with her Al-Anon friends when she found out that I was in jail for a DUI. And those women loved on her. Um, I was pissed that she knew because I wanted to tell her and I wanted to control the situation. Um, I didn't get to control the situation. I don't get to control a lot of situations, it <laughs> turns out. Um, and when I do, it they don't turn out very good. Um, so, uh, you know, I'd like to say that, that that's when I realized that my drinking had affected my family, and, and it wasn't. Um, I didn't care that my sister had to call in sick to go pick up my brother from the airport. I didn't care that my other sister, you know, was worried sick that something bad was going to happen, and I I didn't care that my mom was torn up by my actions, I didn't care. Um, I continued to drink for seven months after that, and my first bottom happened when I went to visit um, this guy, um, San Bernardino somewhere, I'm not really sure and uh, got really drunk, let him drive my car, and he drove it into a tree. And I was stuck up in the mountain somewhere for four days, and that was the moment I realized that my drinking had affected everybody in my life. Um, I had, (laughs) I called my mom that night and said, um, I got in an accident, I'm waiting for my car to be fixed, will you come pick me up? And she said no. And that was the best thing that she could have done for me because I had to sit there for four days where I don't even know where I was. And um, that's when I realized my drinking had affected everything. And that's when I realized I couldn't do what I was doing anymore. Um, I called my sister, her mom, and um, I was bawling. And I said, I can't keep doing this. Um, I need help. And she said, okay, well first she said, <laughs> she likes the story too, um, first she said, what are you wearing? And I said, what do you mean, what am I wearing? And she goes, well, I watch a lot of Unsolved Mysteries, so if something happens to you, I need to tell the cops what you're wearing. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I told her what I was wearing, and I gave her the number of the hotel I was staying at, and I told her what the guy at the front desk looked like, and all this information, she's writing it down, everything, because in case something happened, I didn't make it home. Well, she was going to tell the cops. And so I I made it home four days later, um, and I realized that, you know, it affected everybody in my life. It affected my work. It affected my son. It affected my mom. It affected my sister. And um, I went to my first Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. It was a speaker meeting at the Ventura College. Um, I sat in the back, and I cried the entire time. I don't remember anything that was said that night. Um, I continued to go to meetings. I went to about uh, three meetings a week for two months. Um, I got my 60-day chip on Christmas Eve in uh, 2006, I think. And um, a guy by the name of Bill Richards, who has a lot of years in, in AA, bought me my first Facebook. And you know, he said, "Do you have a sponsor?" And I said, "No, I haven't. I don't really think I'm going to get a sponsor." Mm-hmm. He said, okay, well, here's a book. Keep coming back. Okay. And I didn't go back for uh, a year and a half. I stayed dry for about 16 months. Nothing changed in my life. Um, I, I honestly thought that the only thing I needed to do was not drink. I honestly thought that. If I was sober and I wasn't drinking, then everything was fine. Um, that's not the case. Um, in my opinion, dry drunks are way worse. Um, so um, I got into a relationship. When that didn't work, um, I got desperate. I knew that my life needed to change, and I knew that I knew where to find help. So I went to um, a Saturday meeting, a meeting that I went to when I was going for a couple months, and I asked the lady who had given me her number. Um, the first time was there to be my sponsor, and I got desperate. And I was willing to do anything that that she told me, and I was willing to take all of the suggestions um, because I just didn't want to feel the way I was feeling anymore. Um, you know, when I got here, I had done so many pitiful and incomprehensible, demoralizing things, and I've had to do a lot of work to forgive myself for those things. Um, and I practice self-love today. And I worked with that sponsor for three years. And then she, (laughs) I don't think she's drinking, but she's pretty dry. And I no longer wanted what she had. So I got a new sponsor a year ago, and this woman is uh, absolutely incredible. Um, I used to think she was really mean (laughs) because she's really honest with me. And she reminds me how big my ego is. Which I need because my ego is huge, and I will justify everything that I do and why I do it. And and the growth that I see in myself is that um, I tell her a little bit quicker, and I'm I'm able to take her suggestions a little bit quicker, and I'm able to recognize those things before I even call her and say, okay, I was impulsive, compulsive, I did all of these things, and she just says, okay, okay, you know, and she gives me suggestions, and I want what she has. She is 28 years sober. And, um, you know, she got sober when she was 15. (laughs) And um, she's absolutely incredible, and she's of service. She's in general service, and she, you know, goes to meetings and sponsors a lot of women. And, um, you know, I do what she does because I want what she has. And, um, you know, when I got here, I had such a problem with the word God, I had such a problem with it. It made me cringe. I hated hearing about it. I didn't want anything to do with it. That's what, you know, that was my excuse. Why it wasn't going to work for me because I didn't believe in God. And for me, God was punishing God. And, um, you know, when I got here the second time, I was willing to do whatever you told me to do. So I worked, I worked and worked and worked to um, to get a higher power that made sense to me and um, you know the girls that I sponsor now I just tell them you just have to be willing you just have to be willing that's it be willing to give it up because you're not doing a very good job controlling your own life Um, you're an AA we don't get here because we're bored we get here because we can't manage our own lives Um, you know so um, I work every day on on a constant contact with my higher power and that's something i never thought that i would do i never thought that i would be spiritual and i heard somebody say in a meeting once that people who are religious are people who want to go to heaven and people who are spiritual are people who've been to hell and i really believe that (laughs) and i love that i think it's amazing okay um gotta wrap it up um so um i work every day on that and i I meditate and I pray, and I don't do it perfect every day and I don't do it as long as I want to sometimes um, but I'm willing and I try and I do it to the best of my ability and that's all we can do in these rooms um, and I want to tell you a little bit about um you know when I was seventeen, I got pregnant and i I know I look really young to have an eleven year old I am really young to have an eleven year old and um You know, my son just turned 11 and I have the most amazing relationship with my son because of this program, because of the steps, because of the principles, because of all the things that are suggested, because of the women who've come before me and because of um, the men that keep telling me that they love me and the men that support me and my family and my mom who tells me what a good mom I am because she wasn't the best mom she wanted to be and I I get to do things differently. And, um, you know, when I, when my son was three, he asked me, why are you always tired? It's because I was hungover. I couldn't tell that to my three-year-old. You know, and I I held a lot of guilt. I held a lot of guilt for a long time. And um, I get to do things differently, and I get to be a living amends to my son every single day because we have an amazing relationship and um you know I get to say to him let's have a do-over
1: <laughs>
0: and I get to say you know I'm cranky today and I get to be honest with him and he gets to say things to me like you are cranky you should go to a meeting and you know and I love him for it I love him for it he's absolutely amazing and I have an amazing relationship with my son because I work at it and I practice all these principles and all my affairs and um I'm so, so grateful to be a part of this fellowship and, and to be an example. And even on days when I don't want to, like I could have justified sleeping all day today because it's gloomy outside and I've just broke up with my boyfriend and yada, yada, yada. But instead I get to, um, I get to be of service and I get to be here and share my experience, strength, and hope with you. So
1: Thank you.